Hi everyone and welcome to episode 17 of Basha's Thoughts. Today I'd like to talk about freedom and that's because right now we're in a situation where our freedoms are sort of being taken away at a really rapid pace in society and we're moving towards a more and more totalitarian society. And so I thought it would be interesting to talk about freedom in general and in some particular contexts as well. What is freedom? Do you feel free? Are you free? Is freedom something that we can achieve? And what is it related to? So freedom in general, we often associate with freedom, for instance, to do whatever we want. So freedom to do something so that we have no constraints. And freedom, very often, we will imagine can be taken away from us by others. So a lot of people would agree that our freedoms can be taken away by other persons when they try to intimidate us. For instance, if there's a robbery or someone somehow using force in order to make us comply with their instructions, which usually are such that they have something to gain and we might have something to lose because it's something that we would not do voluntarily. So there is this overt form of making others comply and trying to control others. Very often we associate this with something very negative. It's also clearly tied to fear. There is always an underlying fear. Sometimes the emotion might be one of anger more than fear, but we realize that, for instance, if we do not give our money, then the person might shoot us and that will be the end of our life. So we might be very fearful in that moment or we might mostly be angry, but we realize that there is a an actual possible ending of our life here, so we will comply. But there seems to be an underlying fear that is involved when our freedoms are taken away in a very violent way. Then there are less overt ways of controlling others, and these are the mafia tactics, for instance, as you might remember from mafia movies where if you have a business, for instance, and you want to operate your business, then you need protection. So the mafia family will show up and they will collect their money. And if you don't pay, well, then pretty much they will rob you and they will continue robbing you until you decide that you're going to be paying them for their protection. So this is less overt and may seem a little bit more kind, but it's still pretty much the same. And it's also based on fear. Then you can have this same tactic, but you can really hide who is doing the threatening in the case of trying to control you. So this is something that is also very commonly used pretty much everywhere. I mean, governments do it all the time. Uh, for instance, it's, it's the most common way of justifying a war so that you have the public on your side and 
when you go into war, you really want to have that. And so you may orchestrate some kind of an event that might even be detrimental to people of your own country so that you can show that there is a need for us to go into war. And these can be all kinds of tactics. I mean, the U.S. is very good at this. They have pretty much justified every war by doing something like this. But it's not just the U.S. Other countries do it for all sorts of purposes. Sometimes they even create wars for other purposes to reach other goals. So in Russia you had, for instance, let's see, in 99 you had the, you might know about that or not, uh, there were the apartment bombings that were going on. You never knew where the next bomb would explode and it would be in an apartment building. And that was then justified, that fear was used then to justify a war against Chechnya. And in the U.S., you had two years after that, you had pretty much a very similar situation. It was not apartment bombings, it was the World Trade Center bombings, you could say. And that also created a situation where a lot of fear was used and the Iraq war was justified also. So these are tactics where maybe for some reason people do not really see that it is that the person creating the problem is the one who is proposing a solution. So it's even less overt than the kind of overt protection tactics of the mafia. And then you can go even further. Then you can try to program people so that the fear is actually already programmed into the person and it creates a lot of triggers inside of the person. And then when, you re when you're able to do that, well then you can actually control a population very easily because it's self-controlling. You only have to know how to lead and how to suggest the correct narratives to the population and they themselves will actually even police each other. So there are some countries that have been able to create that and these are the countries very often where from the outside you might say, wow, this is such an advanced country that is working so well, there is no corruption everything is going really well. You seem to be free there, everyone has everything, and there is very little crime. This looks like the perfect place to live. But of course, from the outside, you're not quite aware of all of the inner triggers that are actually inside of the persons. So this you find, for instance, in the Scandinavian countries. This is a place where you have a lot of rules that are never really written or spoken about. But if you grow up in that country, well then you kind of grow up with them. And so internally you will have to comply. So these Scandinavian countries rely on programming. It's a self-imposed fear that comes from these unwritten rules. And if you break the rules, then you become ostracized. So inside of you there is a fear that comes up and so you don't do certain things. And these are 
unwritten rules. And they are so strict, in fact, that, that most people never really get to be themselves, never really get to fully express themselves because they're not really allowed to, because there's so much inside of them that is stopping them from that. And so very often in these countries, you will have a tradition of drinking uh, heavy liquor, where if you get drunk enough, well, then you are pardoned, because then it's no longer you. You are not the person. You are not the person who's committing the acts that you're committing while you're drunk. That is the alcohol speaking, and then that is your event for expression. So if you drink and you become drunk, then you can sing, you can dance, and you can have a lot of fun, you can even cry if you want to in public. And the very next day, everything will be okay. It's all e erased, you have no responsibility for any of that, and uh, people will only laugh and um, say yes. That was a really funny situation, it wasn't you, and you all go on as normal as if nothing happened. But of course, if you were to do any of that without having been drinking, well then you would be held responsible for it. And then you would probably not be able to do it because your inner inhibitions would be so strong that they would not let you do that. So uh, you can control countries and societies in general in many different ways. And all of these different ways are related to fear. So your freedoms are taken away from you by fear. But wait, fear? But fear is something that you produce. It's produced inside of you. So in the end, you are actually in charge of that. Wow. So does that mean that if, if you were able to not be fearful, that you would be free? Well, yes, to a large degree, that is what it means. See, even if we look at our personalities, who we are, how we act, and you look at how all of that was formed, how did you become you? How did you get that personality? How do you have these preferences and not those preferences? A lot of that can be traced again back to fear. It can be traced back to your developmental trauma or traumas. And each trauma has fear in some sense related to it. And the developmental traumas are not necessarily huge traumas where some very big traumatic situations or events took place and you remember them. You might not even recall them. And it might be mundane little things that happened every day and they all accumulate to become these developmental traumas. They then become defense mechanisms because they want to protect you. And these defense mechanisms are so quick that they are quicker than your conscious choice-making decisions. And so whenever you quickly decide, oh, I want this, oh, I like this, very often it comes from something else. And 
it can be from your developmental traumas or it can be a conditioned response as well. But again, the things that we do not really want are fear and suffering. This is what we're trying to move away from. Indeed, we're creating this whole game of control because we want to have a freedom, because we want to move away from suffering. We want to move away from fear. And so we pro propagate it. And we do this, well, we might not do this by robbing people in the street, because that would be bad. And yet, we probably do this in most of our relationships, where we want the other person to be in a particular way, or to do something particular so that we feel better, so that we will not feel afraid, so we will not be worried, so we will not be fearful, and we will not suffer. And so we try to control the other person quite often. And sometimes we do these little manipulative things, trying to make the other person comply with what we think would make us feel better. But wouldn't it be nice if instead of trying to control this crazy world out there, we would just work on trying to control our own fears? See, if we can get our fear under control, well, then all of a sudden we become so much more free. If we are constantly afraid that our partner is cheating, well, that can be very draining. And then if that leads us to some physical actions, um, I, I don't know, looking through their things, trying to find clues or, or whatever it is, well, th that just takes so much energy and we will feel bad inside when we're doing all of this. And the other person <laughs> will not be very happy either in that kind of a relationship where we are always fearful in that sense. What if it were possible to just take that away? What if we could work on fears and not just that fear, all of our fears? Is it possible to become totally fearless? <laughs> well, a total fearlessness is basically illumination. That is what the illuminated person is. A person who no longer has any fears. And how do they achieve that? What, what is it that makes them fearless? What is it that removes all threat for them in their perception? Well, this has to do with identification. See, the illumined person no longer identifies as a person. They don't identify with their body. They use it, sure, but they do not identify with it. And so that a fear that has to do with the threat against the body isn't really a fear that would arise in an illumined person. Also, threats against our ego are no threats for the illumined person because the illumined person does not 
identify with their ego. They identify with awareness, pure, vast, infinite awareness. So the more we can remove ourselves from strict identification, the more free we can become, the less fearful we can be. Of course, in society we can do all sorts of things that can be quite helpful as human beings because we know that as human beings we can be more or less programmed and so that we can, for instance, look at what is currently programming me to become a fearful person. And we might say, uh-oh, every time I watch the news, I feel fear. This makes me afraid. And then maybe after watching the news, I keep thinking about these things happening here. And I'm afraid. I'm afraid to go out. I'm afraid to interact with people. And then I'm afraid of open spaces. And then maybe I start being afraid of all sorts of things, even snipers. There are no snipers in my city. There have been no reports. But there are other countries that have them. And we might even take it that far. It's no longer a rational fear. So if you find something that does program you to become fearful, then maybe it's interesting to take a look at it and see if you can change that in your day. So for instance, think about it. You're walking down the street and there's another person whom you don't know walking on the other side and they look at you. What is your reaction, honestly? What is your first reaction? Is it to look at the other person and try to assess the threat? Is it to look for what is wrong with them? Is that your first reaction? Or is your first reaction, wow, openness, look, curiosity, there's this other interesting person and you smile genuinely and maybe say hello. What is your first reaction? See, whenever we have fear in our lives, it also manifests in our body. So you can also recognize it in your body if you don't see it as fear because it's so quick and so normal that you don't even see it as something like that. In your body, fear, think about it. What does it feel like? <gasps> you might stop breathing. You don't have your deep breaths. You have this shallow upper chest breathing. And you have tensions, tensions throughout your body, very often around the neck, in the shoulders, in the chest. Think about it. In your case, what does fear feel like in your body? Those tensions are something that you can work with. Just like you can work with practical things that you notice program you to become more and more fearful, you can also work with physical tensions and just oh, go through your body and notice, oh wow, I was holding my breath again or I was tense again. And 
even just doing this practice of now and then quickly going through your body and relaxing, relaxing it. There is no need to tense it. There is no need to tense it. There is no threat right now. It's okay. See, this is a way of gaining freedom. We don't think about it, but that's exactly what it will bring us. The fearless person, the illumined person, is also a very open and relaxed person because they don't have to react to threats around them. So right now we're in a situation in society where more and more fear becomes prevalent and we're moving towards a more totalitarian society and our rights and freedoms are taken away. But they can only be taken away through fear. So if we refuse to become fearful, if we refuse to comply with the fear, then we will be free to think better, to make better decisions, to act better. So by consciously looking to see how we are and moving away from situations that tend to create fear, we can start moving towards becoming a more free person and creating a more free society. And if we take this even further and stop identifying even with our personality, well, then we can reach total freedom and illumination. So even though it looks like we are in a world where we are losing more and more of our freedoms, in reality, we are and have always been free. Freedom is not even something that has to be gained. We already are free. We just have to realize it. And how do we do that? By realizing who we are. By realizing that we are not this appearance as a limited human being or as a mind or as a person or as some ego. We are the infinite awareness. And when we can truly identify as it, we lose all of our apparent fears and we become free. But actually, we don't become free. We have always been free. And so fear tactics are only illusory ways of trying to gain control. Once we can see that, we can start moving past them and living the freedom that is ours. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you in another podcast. Take care. <laughs>